0: Welcome to the London Property Podcast, the home of Super Prime. Today, we're in conversation with Sebastian Decker, who is a partner at Savills Valuation. Good morning, Sebastian. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Farnes. Thanks for the invitation.
0: So, um, some people might think valuations isn't a topic for discussion, but you and I beg to differ, right? So. Um, I wanted to to so so we, we sit on different sides of the fence. I I'm on the agency side, and you do valuations for banks and uh, and various different uh, institutions. In your opinion, how do valuations uh, done by valuers differ to those done by agents? I mean, obviously, it's more detailed, but can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yes, fine. thanks thanks for that. Um, I think the main the main difference is is that the the market value done by surveyors is is backward looking. So we're looking up to the date of valuation or purchase, whereas agents are giving um their opinion based on forecasted, so what you might get in the future. Um typically we're finding when when something's on when something's under offer or sold. We're typically supporting the purchase price um, because it's been on the market. Definition: market value is winning buyer, winning seller, appropriate marketing period. So, if it's been on the the market with, say, Savills or Knight Frank or Russell Simpson, and they've had various offers, then we're typically supporting that. Where the difference comes is where we're updating valuations um, from a couple of years ago. Typically, banks want um, revaluation every three years, and and it ends up being. This sort of this ten percent, as I think you've mentioned, um, I think it, it, in our market, in our prime market, that's uh, that doesn't uh, happen as often because we are doing bespoke valuations at a high level. Um, I think where value has come under fire is where you're doing at the sort of lower end of the market. You don't mind me saying that, um, sort of 300000 pounds, where. Valuers are typically doing six a morning, just doing um, you know, one or two comparables, no, no agents calls. Um, and basically they are doing it to protect themselves, because you can't get everything, you can't get everything right. You're doing, you're doing six a day, you can't get everything right. Whereas from our point of view, and certainly at the top end of the market, we are doing more, you know, we're doing more professional valuations that take up to sort of five working days to do. We're speaking to the agents. There's a lot more data about, um available about sales, say in Belgravia, Mayfair, Knightsbridge. So it's just a different, a different thing. But I've always asked about um the difference, you know, what an agent might be at this level, you're at some other level, it's typically higher. Um, we're not going to be higher than the agents. Um, but I think that we do different things, we're doing two different jobs, and it, it typically we're inspecting, measuring, doing planning, doing the Doing the a tenure, whereas, and I speak as an ex-agent as you know, you just go around the property, you come back and say we think it's this, there's no liability. Um, whereas we obviously have a um a, a PI PI insurance. So I think they're similar in the in the Prime Central London, they're probably similar, um, but those are the differences.
0: But it's interesting you said that you 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 generally support Uh, a valuation at at the point of sale, which I, you know, I always say that the the best way to value a property is obviously to see how the market reacts to it. And, you know, none of us can argue with that, you know, property is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. But obviously, banks have different risks that they need to assess and and protect themselves uh, against. Um, So, when when we value a property, obviously we look at um what's what's happened historically, you know, what sort of prices have been achieved per square foot. Is there any magic to to, to, to the data points that you use or are they are they more or less no, similar the, things? I think
1: we're the same, we're the same, especially in central London. We're all we're all doing the same. We've got the you know the long res, we've got the very good agents. So what I always say is that the agents that, that you and I deal with, you know, being in the business for you know 15, 20 plus years and know. Every house, you know, say a house in Wilton Crescent, you speak to any of the local agents, they'll know who bought it, when it was sold, if it was in um, you know, when it was. So there's very good, there's very good, um, there's very good data. And I always say that you know, if you're doing, and no disrespect to sort of outside, you know, perhaps zone two, when we're doing if I'm doing properties, say in Richmond or uh, Kingston, you, you know, you basically say, So some guy bought a house on a street, you know, no one no one really cares. Whereas if you're dealing in Wilton Crescent everyone's interested
0: yeah no and there's a lot,
1: the, lot more interest there's a lot more interest around it
0: yes and you you and i are, are old enough to remember pre data so there's a lot of intelligence that we used to tap into as well because yes numbers matter but there's also rarity and you know things that don't often come to market that we've got to take into consideration i'm actually going to be interviewing a mutual friend of ours uh on a spotlight on cadogan place because you know having decades and decades of experience yes. in one particular location yep. does make uh, for a more accurate valuation i think sometimes yeah
1: well i think and i think Again, it's the type of property um, you and I deal with at that upper end, where people are interested. People there is the knowledge around it. Um, whereas, if you're dealing with you know a terraced house in South West London, you know anyone could buy it. You know, no one's that interested. Of, you know, who who buys it or what? Um, but I think it, it, you're right. The agents that, that you and I know, the is it, is people actually rely on them. Absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent rely on them. You know, they'll know um, you know what's going on, who bought what, off market deals. Um, you know, who's in the market, and that's it's vital for that. It's fine yeah, for
0: us. yeah, and also we've got more complex issues in in our part of town as well, don't we? With all the leasehold uh, enfranchisements yes. and ground rents and all these things that af- affect yeah. a-, a value,
1: and especially on say, Grove Estate, where there'll be restricted covenants about um, outside decoration. Um, you know, we're dealing with flying freeholds and it's short leases, um, reversion releases, um. You know all the quirks on the on the main estates.
0: And is this something that again, um, it takes a specialist value valuer to deal with? So would would you be able to value for someone on lease enfranchisement or is that a different set of skills?
1: That's that, that's a different set. I think I think back in the day it was more general practice, but I think as as companies expand and the knowledge expand, I think we have a specialist team doing that. So I I, I wouldn't although I have done in the past, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do now. I think it's very much a specialist, you know, tax valuations, litigation valuations, matrimonial, um, which is a different sort of set of of expertise. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I think people are becoming more, um, people are becoming more specialist.
0: So that's, that's, that's a a kind of something that we know when we're in it, but um, even valuation has got different sections and different sectors to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. so the other thing that um, I wanted to ask you is from where you're sitting, how uh what are you seeing is going on in the market?
1: Well, it's very very interesting. I haven't um since the COVID, since the first lockdown in March, just been incredibly busy. And I think everyone, everyone has, I think. I think the the problems being that the international uh, travel um strictly now, but I think people are, you know, people are still in the market. And what is noticeable is that the houses, um, so I suppose, Notting Hill, St. John's Wood, I've been very busy on there, not so much in the flats in Knightsbridge, say Lown Square or, or Mayfair, I think, which, is, which, are, which are more dependent on international travel. The Notting Hill market, the houses there, 10, 15, 20 million plus, um, a lot of sales there. I think I did in the last quarter of the year, I must have done 16 valuations in Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, just of the just of those lovely houses back onto communal gardens, um, the garden became more important in the COVID, um, and I think so the large these large mansion flats that you and you, know, you and I know say at Camden Hill Court, you know these three and a half four thousand square foot flats on the sort of second and third floor that were actually sort of bread and butter and you know 2018, 2019 or, or sort of pre COVID are now are now suffering more I think and the, and the freehold house. Um, I say, um, the, the sort of UK UK buyers market. So St John's Wood and and Notting Hill were certainly were certainly taking off, and also Made of ale, um Swiss Cottage. So yeah, I think it moved away. I think I didn't personally didn't do really anything in Knightsbridge at all. Whereas whereas the Cadogan Square was absolutely sort of bread and butter. Um, but I don't think I saw anything there. It was typically typically freehold houses.
0: That's really interesting because that was going to be my next question. Is that do you think that houses are now more valuable than flats? Because traditionally, it's sort of been the other way around, doesn't it? That price per square foot for flats tends to be higher than price per yes, square foot did. for houses. It
1: did. It did. I think certainly in those, certainly in the primaries, the Cadogan Square, um, you know, Lennox Gardens, those prime, those primaries that were sort of three and a half, four thousand pounds a square foot. Um, I think have now dropped, and the, and, the, and the freehold house with garden, access to communal gardens, has taken over. And I think you're seeing now in the Notting Hill, you're seeing the £3,000 a square foot plus. Um, I remember back in the day, and, and you'll remember, you are with this in the of davison um, um, we had a property that was £1,000 a square foot. And I remember Jeremy saying, you must be mad. You know, how, how are you ever going to get £1,000 a square foot for, for a house in, in, in South Ken?" And now it just goes to three or 4,000. So, so I think it, it has swapped round. I don't think it's been, I mean, it must have been because of COVID. Um, I can't think there's any particular thing there. But I think, um, you know, the flats, these mansion flats have certainly suffered more, I think, that don't have any outside space at all. I'm not talking about conversions where you might have the roof terrace. You might do an Eton Square or something where you might have a first and second floor there with a roof terrace to the rear because they are converted houses. I'm talking about the sort of the Victorian mansion flat, you know, the mansion flats that are all the same size. There's limited outside space, might be a small balcony, but they won't have any any significant outside space.
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And do you think that, so, so, so traditionally, I mean, this past quarter aside, would you say that uh, when you start reading about what's going on in the market, you have always generally... Figured that out about a quarter before it hits the news, or you know, what's that time frame in which um, uh, you know the the news becomes clear to you before it becomes public knowledge?
1: Well, I think it's well, it's, it's difficult to say, fairness because I think I think it's almost once you can't you know you can't see it, but you see it in a rising or falling market, you're almost you are almost four months four six months out of date on it because you know by the time people realise people are starting to sell or buy. Um, you know, it's already it's already been and gone, and suddenly people say, "Oh, hang on, I, I, I you know, I better buy now because of that." And then suddenly it, it, it all takes off, and, and equally in an the falling market. So I think you can never, you can never, um, you can never sort of pinpoint that. And I think a question I was asked, I have been asked, is that when's a good time to buy or sell? And I say when it's right for the person to do it. There's no point in trying to call the market because if you've called the market, if you think you've called the market for buying or selling, then you're too late.
0: Yeah, I mean, that by, the I realize, that. by the time you
1: realize by the time you realise that hang on, the prices that you know, if I'm buying, if I'm a buyer, uh, sorry, but hang on a minute, I better buy because and, and then, well, everyone's now being, you know, you're only doing that because you're seeing you're seeing people that are buying and selling uh, sorry, a buying. And likewise, if you're selling, when should I sell? If you if you think that um um oh if people in the road are selling, I better I better sell while the market's there, people have already sold. So it's already, it's already historic. Um, and I always I always likened it to the the sort of a daily mail, a sort of daily mail type headline where they, you know, saying um you know prices to go up 25% in 2021. People read that, say, well, you know, I better um I better put my house on I, sorry, I better not sell because I'm gonna wait until the price go up. And the fact that you don't know, put the on the markets caused a scarcity of property and therefore the prices go up. You know, equally if they say prices to crash 25% in 2021, um people hang on a minute, I better put my property in the market before you know before it gets any worse. And then the glut of property causes the market to fall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I always find that that uh Well, first of all, every once in a while, I do a Google search on on property news and I just laugh at the headlines. (laughs) One says, market's crashing. The other one says, market's booming. Market's crashing, market's booming. But really, you know, I think that we tend to, from talking to each other, get a bit of a glimpse as to what's going on. But it's at, like interestingly, like you just said, Notting Hill. You've been seeing a lot of activity. Just because you're seeing a lot of activity in Notting Hill, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's booming in in Knightsbridge. So even within these tiny little pockets, mm. there's still markets that that are different, aren't there?
1: Yeah, and I think I think it's a, again type of type of um the market we work in, the areas we work in, where you could be one side of the square, another side of the square. You know, you know, typically in a I say I give the example of South East London. Typically, a sort of terraced house in a street will be very much similar to other terraced houses in the street. Whereas, if you're looking at Eaton Square or you're looking at, um, you know, um, you know, Notting Hill, some houses back onto communal gardens, some don't. Yeah. Some are next door to local authority. Some aren't. Some are southwest facing. Some are northeast facing. You know, it's very, it's very sort of quirky in in our in our patch. And again, you've got you're talking about leasehold properties. You know, what's the difference between a, you know a 35 year lease and a 45 year lease? You know, it's sort of. It, it, so when you're comparing them, it's very important to have that local knowledge. This is why I actually yeah. rely on agents because they say, "Oh, you know, I'm valuing such such a house there. Oh, that's the that's been on the, oh that's been on the market for years, whatever. And there's been on and off the market, and well, it's the worst house we've seen, or whatever. Or, and then you speak to some agents and you know say, yes, that's, you know that's a fantastic house. I've known it for years, and you know, yes, it's worth that. You know, it's worth what they're looking for. So like, again, speaking to the agents is absolutely vital. And I think yeah. there's so much work. You know in our market, um, I was asked a question earlier today by a bank. Oh, you know, why have you differentiated um between the lower ground floor and the third floor flat on a rate per square foot? Seemingly similar, similar flats. Well, it's, it's actually basic, isn't it? You know, people who are at the basement flat, you know, people who are in the first floor flat wouldn't look at a basement flat, so you know, it's only five flats in the building, and they've asked why, why I've got you know, from Six hundred pounds a square foot for the low ground to two and a half for the first floor. Why is such a difference on, on the same size? Well, it's just, you know, isn't that what it is? It, it, it wouldn't be as noticeable again, south-west London, you know, pretty similar there. But as we know, you know, first floor is best floor typically, you know, low ground floor. This one had a third floor walk up. So someone buying a basement flat wouldn't look at a, you know, wouldn't typically look at a third floor walk up.
0: I was using an argument in the lease enfranchisement tribunal once for for a property of ours where, I was arguing that a two-bedroom property, circa 700, 800 square feet, is bog standard, whereas uh, a, a 1,200 square foot uh, two-bedroom property is more of a luxury item, and you can't value them the same. Yeah. And to me, it's, it seemed like a really sensible idea. Yeah. And, and then when I actually started looking at the data, it actually proved my point. But in yes. that particular case, I didn't win in the tribunal with that argument, okay. but it's actually a fact because you know you yeah. do suddenly it's quantum. go from it's the of quantum. It goes it suddenly goes from a normal box standard flat to, to, to a luxury item and 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 there is you know a uniqueness to to, to it. So size did matter in that in that you particular site. If
1: you look on your if you look on the non residence room, when you look at different flats, you can actually see it, can't you? You can actually see it in reality that a larger flat will have a lower rate of square foot.
0: Well, when you get really, really big, I was going just for two bedrooms. I was saying, okay, you know, a seven, eight hundred square foot two bedroom versus a twelve hundred pound, a twelve hundred square foot two bedroom are two different products. Yes. Yeah. They're not the same product. But yes, if you start going to seven thousand square feet, then suddenly, you know, the pounds per square foot starts to get it's kind of economies of scale. I guess it starts to get a little bit less.
1: Uh, And What's interesting about your. You know your seven hundred square foot and, and say twelve hundred square foot flat is it exactly right? When we're doing if I'm doing sort of new build, um, you know new build uh, developments, they, and the developer says, "Oh, well, I've got these oversized, I've got these oversized one bedroom flats, and they're sort of a thousand square feet." So we say, well, you can't just simply base it on a rate per square foot because you know something's going to be a, a capital value ceiling about what someone's going to pay for it, but no how big, No matter how big it is, um, you know, so it's not simply multiplying you know pounds per square foot rate. And that's the thing that really gets—it's always this sort of people obsessed with pounds per square foot rates. Um, and certainly with the, you know, luckily the basements aren't aren't as sort of as prevalent anymore. But certainly when you know when we're doing things, people will do these two sub-basements and they'd be saying, "Oh, it's you know two and a half thousand pounds per square foot." No, but not for the yeah, it is for the upper floors, but not for the you know not for your second basement. And obsessed, um, you know, with rates. I remember back a, a couple of years ago, about valley a big actually it was Notting Hill, but a big a big conversion in Notting Hill where. Um, typically, prices were about um, uh, uh, 2000 uh, pounds a square foot, two and a half a square foot. Um, and the developer said, "Yeah, well, I want thirty-three million for this you know, this property." You know, there, you know three, it's eleven thousand square feet, um, and it's three thousand pounds a square foot. Look at all the comps in the street. Yeah, but the ones in the street are two and a half thousand square feet. You know, they're six seven million capital value. You know, they're not going to do simply just can't multiply the rate times the area.
0: Yeah, no, there there is a science. So, um, is is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you think we should cover before we say goodbye to our listeners?
1: Um, no, I think it, I think it's good. I think I think the thing is we all do. Agents and valuers typically are doing you know different um, different things. So, an agent is is getting the best price. I think yeah, set it out. The, the agent is getting the best price for the client for the vendor. So he will go in there. I'll, he or she will go in there and say, yes, we think it's worth you know 10 million. There's no liability on what their opinion is. If, if it sells rate, you know, so what? Um, you know, they go to other agents and they say, you know, you said it was worth that. And I think they're getting the best price for the vendor. As a valuer, uh, we're acting for we're not giving agency advice, which obviously gets which often gets confused with the with developers. We're not providing agency advice, we're do, we're providing security for the bank. Um, so our client is the bank, so I'm not interested whether they've had, you know, success or whatever. Obviously, it all, it, it, I mean, all it all comes out in the it, it all comes out in the wash. But what we're basically saying is, security for the bank is 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 what that is. We're better off we're better off valuing something at um, eight that sells for ten, than valuing something at ten that sells for eight. Um, within the PI, we have the PI cover. So that's, what, I think, the difference. So I think the, the thing I, I say to developers when they're doing small schemes, you know, I'm not talking about the house-building developers, i talking about sort of, you know, private developers. Um, oh, we thought it was going to be this, yes, we're not is we're not providing agency advice to you. You know, yes, great. If you've got someone, an agent saying it's worth that, then obviously great, but we're not providing, you know, our client is the bank. Um, and what the bank want to know is what their security is so yes. although we're in the same market, typically agents are going to be higher than us because we're just doing, I, I said to you at the start, agents are forward looking. So you're going to see a property, you know, finance you're going to see a property, um, you know, fantastic property. We'll put it on it, we'll put it on at 10. You know, you've got forward thinking. You might sell it in the next week, and it might take you 10 months to sell it. For us, we are looking up to that date. We're looking back from you know, early 2020, late 2019 for comparables and speaking to agents about the uh, the data valuation it is. So one's forward looking and one's backward looking.
0: And actually if you if you're valuing for a bank to provide security You're also putting the borrower in a position of less stress, ultimately. They might not see it in the beginning, but Mm. if they're not pushing it to all the limits and then, you know, time works against them or there's a fluctuation in the marketplace, at least, you know, they're not going to lose sleep over it and they still have a bit of breathing space to survive, which is also, I think, a really important thing that – I certainly uh, don't take into consideration when I'm arguing with a valuer uh, and getting it, <laughs> every financing arranged yeah. for any of our own properties. But uh, the well, last it, time it affects
1: your boring, doesn't it? Because I say if you're borrowing fifty percent, yeah. If you're yeah. It, it, i I said it a valuation of you know, this value of ten million. Let's say are you think it's worth 10 million or a, a, a an owner thinks it's worth 10 million, and they're borrowing, you know, five million. If we come in at eight, we can only borrow four. Yeah. You know, so it means if you're so it does affect it does affect that, but again, you know, we're not we're not providing advice, we're basically saying, you know, the security for the bank. Um, but hopefully in our area, in central London, and yeah. you know, with the knowledge of the agents and you know the surveyors that we you know we all know there shouldn't be as much discrepancy.
0: Uh, yes. Um I think
1: we all do we all do the same thing. I think I think I think hopefully um you know we all do the same, we all know the same. You know, we all do the same thing. We all know the same people and, and, and the properties and the locations. So hopefully, the discrepancy is not as bad um, as as everyone makes out. That you know, the, you know, the dread valuer, you know, under undervaluing something, whatever. And and again, it's not undervaluing. It. We're just we're, we're just we're not valuing the at the owner's expectation. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're valuing it what we think the value is, rather than undervaluing it.
0: Yes, well, you know, like everything in life, it goes it goes hand in hand with who you know and what you know, and you know, I think that your experience and time to in market is much more likely to give a, a realistic valuation based on everything that you do know. Uh, recently, uh, we had about a week of uh, backwards and forwards with with a with a young new valuer who got a valuation of a building really honestly wrong by about three million quid. And I was Mm. like, this is just ridiculous. And and you know, I couldn't let it go because it was just so obviously wrong. Mm. Um, but you know, this is this is kind of part of the purpose of what we're doing here is that we're handpicking experts that we know have the knowledge and know how and can deliver that service. So Seb, thank you so much for your time. It was really interesting chatting with
1: you. No, very interesting finance.
0: And um look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Thank you. Thanks much for the thanks for invitation. Pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to the London Property Podcast. Please head over to www.londonproperty.co.uk to hear more experts like Seb sharing their insight.